Welcome to Mercy Road Online. We are online this week. We are giving our volunteers a much deserved break. So thank you for being here. Right now it is time for the missional moment, which is your opportunity to give online. So if you check the website, it is at the top right corner of your screen. You have an opportunity to give. But first, we have a special announcement from Pastor Josh. Thanks, Becca. As we get ready for our missional moment, I just want to take a minute and thank all the volunteers who make our services happen every single Sunday. From our Mercy Kids volunteers, to Mercy students, to the media team, to the parking lot and first impressions team, to the hospitality team, to the prayer ministry, to the band and worship team. Thank you to the ushers and everybody else that makes every Sunday occur. And we are taking this Sunday off just to honor those volunteers. So if you're one of them, thank you. Thank you for making this happen. We have seen God create a thriving church of over a thousand people at times because of your generosity with your time, talents, and treasures. And so as we take two Sundays off every year, a Memorial Day weekend and the Sunday after Christmas, uh, this takes a big leap of faith for us as a church. It does cost the church significantly financially if we don't have those who are still participating. So to all those who are watching us online in Mercy Road Church is your home church, I encourage you this Sunday especially, give generously so that we can continue to honor our volunteers twice a year in this way. Love all of you out there. Don't forget, share us on social media as we get ready for this morning's message. But we are going to take our missional moment as you get the opportunity to give online starting now. Exciting news. Earlier this year, we launched a church planning network and the website is now live. You can check it out at multiplyindiana.com for more details. Lastly, next week, June 5th, we will be back at the building to celebrate and worship together. Our services are at 945 and 1115. We hope to see you there. If you don't know the address, it's 2381 Point Parkway in Carmel. All right, guys, get comfy. Service with Josh and Eric is starting in three, two, Hey, we want to welcome you to our online campus. I'm Josh, and I'm sitting here with the one and only Eric Maitland. Thank you, Josh. And we'll be co-teaching this morning as we continue our Rooted series. We want to invite you right now to share on social media that you're on our online campus. Use the hashtag Rooted at Mercy Road. Share it right now for all of you Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchatters out there. Uh, we want to invite everybody online. All are welcome. Uh, we got a special message prepped this morning, but Eric, I think you did a little research and found some worship for us to experience. Yeah, I did. You know, I know you guys have got big plans, Memorial Day weekend, so we're not going to take that much time, but just one song we felt like would drive our time of worship home. But before we do that, I would like for you to take a social five to go around <laughs> your living room and greet those who are at church with you at your home. That's about enough time. All right, let's go ahead and enjoy this moment of worship. The renewal is the key to the Christ in me. The renewal is the key to the Christ in me. The renewal is the key to the Christ in me. 
Wow, that was some powerful worship, Eric. I felt a little uncomfortable. Me too. Hey, if you have a Bible, power it on, turn to Acts chapter 16. As we start this morning's message, we are in the middle of our Rooted Teaching series, but we're doing part two of how to make the most of your life. If you have a Bible, turn in it to Acts chapter 16. We're going to be looking at the story of Philippi, one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts, Eric. It's a powerful message of a woman who comes to Christ. And as I was thinking about this passage, it's always strange to me what becomes socially contagious within mm. our culture. Yeah. You know, uh, I think back to the 80s and a uh, commercial that came on about where's the beef? Some of you remember <laughs> hey, that story? Yeah. yeah, that that became viral before viral even existed. And then for some of you 90s lovers out there, I remember when uh, You Can't Touch Us came out, dude. I had oh, man, an album. Bro. Did you have, I don't know if you had the pants. My mom literally made me pants. That's embarrassing. Yeah. But I, you, you know when things become contagious. When Eric uh, was an adult, he had the Bieber fever picture on his <laughs> wall uh, throughout most of his that's, adult that's life. Not, that is true. Uh, we can all look at certain things within our culture that became socially contagious. It's clear. And yeah. that's not too different in Christianity as well. I mean, even online, Eric, you mentioned a couple earlier. Oh, like David at the dentist, man. You remember that? Yeah, it was powerful. It's real life. Uh, hide your kids, hide your wife. One of my faves. <laughs> One of my faves. You know, never forget. And the question I want to ask in Acts chapter 16 is, we know those things are socially contagious, but throughout 2,000 years of church history, Christianity has historically has been very contagious. So when I ask the question, what historically has made Christianity contagious? So, Eric, if you're in Acts chapter 16. And you know I am. In verse 11, I want to read uh, this passage to you. Now, I'll give you a little background if you're not familiar with this. Saul had encountered Jesus, the risen Christ, in Acts chapter 9, given of his life to Christ, had been changed, had spent 14 years developing his faith, and eventually goes on his first missionary journey. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 16, he now has gone in all over the eastern part of the Roman Empire. In fact, he had just gone to this place, uh, Derby and, and Lystra, and literally been stoned almost to death. Wow. And he had planned, I think we got a map of what it looked like during that time uh, where the cities were found. Uh, he had been traveling over in this area of Galatia. And he made the decision to travel all the way over here to Macedonia and go to the city of Philippi. And I don't know if you know this, but we're expecting a lot of precipitation right over here in Asia Minor this afternoon. <laughs> Always wanted to try that. TV was right there. Yeah, sorry, man. That was not appropriate. No, sorry. <laughs> you are right, though, that this is the area, Eric, that Paul goes. And he goes there because he has a dream about this man in Macedonia. He believes God is calling him. Like, how crazy is that? And so he ends up over here in the city of Philippi. Now, if you're not familiar with that city, it was a place on the Via Ignatia, the, the main Roman road, long before there were the types of roads with asphalts that we have. Uh, the Roman Empire was one of the first to have a major road system. And the Via Ignatia was the main road, and it went right through the city of Philippi. I think we got a couple of pictures of what Philippi was like at that time. You can see uh, on the screen here the different areas of the city and the road that went right through it. If you skip to the next picture, we also, uh, you can see some of the ruins that were located. You can still go and visit that today. 
So Paul goes to this major Roman colony that was, had a big military base in it. This wasn't like the eastern outskirts anymore. This was part of the Roman Empire. And when he gets to Philippi, this is what happens in verse 11 of Acts chapter 16. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight from Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, which would have been Saturday, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Hmm. Now, Eric, you may not realize this, but to be a dealer in purple cloth meant that you were a wealthy business person. You literally took uh, ink that you extracted from mollusks. Mollusks. Can you say that? Can to try that again? Yeah. Mollusks mm -hmm. in the Mediterranean Sea. Wow. And they would literally get the purple ink from those, and that's how they would dye clothing, that color. Hmm. Only royalty and very wealthy people wore purple cloth. So, Eric, dude, when you wore your purple suit down the Via Ignatia in yeah. the city of Philippi... And you know I did. People were turning their heads. Yeah. This was somebody of regal and noble hmm. birth. And so this woman, a wealthy woman, Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth, she was a worshiper of God, meaning she was Jewish. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Lydia, Lydia will end up becoming not just a follower of Jesus, but a church planter. She literally, Paul plants the church in her home. And when he leaves, that church continues to meet. And eventually, when he's in a prison cell in Rome, they'll be taking care of him all the way from Philippi. They'll be sending him gifts. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible story of how Paul, because he believed God was calling him to this place, saw him be used in a way I got to imagine he didn't think possible. Yeah. So what I want to talk about is how a guy like Paul can go around the Roman Empire, plant all of these churches, and have a place like Philippi where God calls him to go there and he plants a church and it just explodes. Mm hmm um, what was happening historically that made Christianity so contagious in that way that this woman sees him and just instantly gives her life to Christ? So I was hoping you could just kind of begin with a moment of prayer for us, Eric, yeah. and then we're going to dive into this. Let's do it. Jesus, we thank you for the chance to gather as a church, even online this weekend, God. And we thank you for the volunteers, Lord, that we're giving a break this weekend and for the staff of this church, Lord. And we thank you most of all just for the relationships that are in this church, God. We pray that you bring out the full potential of each of us, God, that we could be an attractive church, an attractive expression of your love to the city of Indianapolis, God, and where everyone is from who's watching online. We love you and we open our hearts right now. God, for you to call us further in and further out of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's the deal. We're going to give you, uh, answer three questions, Eric, mm -hmm. on how you make the most of your life. Oh, good, okay. If you're sitting there, you know, I was talking to Tenoria Askew um, yeah. on the phone today, and you may not know this, but Tenoria runs our hospitality team, and she has been doing that for several years, a major part of Mercy Road Church, and she is able to share now that she is a contestant on this year's Master Chef. Heyo, coming out on Fox on wow. June first, and excited. we're actually going to have a premiere party uh, right here at the Mercy Road building that night. Oh, it's a cool. Wednesday night on June first. Don't don't miss it. 
Uh, but it's so cool to see how God has just used her, her dream of becoming a chef and using that to glorify him. And she's doing that, and she's using her new platform to tell people not just about Mercy Road Church, but about her faith in Jesus. And so I was thinking about that, and everybody wants something like that, right? Yeah. Like, it'd be so cool when Eric chases his dream, and the next thing you know, the next David Crowder or Chris Tomlin is sitting right here next to me. Like, how do we really chase God-sized dreams in our life? So here's the three questions we're going to answer. The first one is this. Who has God put before you right now? Like, if, if you want to make the most of the life that God has given you, what if rather than thinking like these ostentatious dreams that we first begin with, who has God put in front of us right now? Like, Paul wanted to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all over the Roman Empire. But it's interesting. He goes to Philippi, and he doesn't get out there and go to the theater and start preaching to thousands of people. He does that sometimes. But instead, he just goes down by the river, and he shares his faith with one woman. And that is life-changing for that entire city. And so I was thinking a little bit of, uh, about that. Uh, if you look in verses 16 on to verse 22, I want to share a little bit of that with you. It says in Philippians chapter 16, 16, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And this crazy thing happens. So Paul is there. He wants to make an impact. He had just led Lydia to the Christ. And then right after this, he ends up uh, getting thrown into prison. This female slave who had a, uh, an evil spirit, he ends up casting the spirit out and her owners get upset and he gets thrown into prison. I actually got a picture of where they think the prison cell uh, is still located in Philippi today. Uh, he was back just in this little cave in the mountain where he lived in this little like five by ten foot room, tiny. And so it says this about um, what happens after that in verse 22. It says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. The jailers commanded them to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners who were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But get this. this. This is like the coolest part. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. Hmm. He didn't run off. He didn't take off, run out of that jail like Eric and I would have. Instead, he sticks around. <laughs> the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Wow. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and his whole household were baptized. That's incredible. Immediately. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and he and his whole household. So what I love about that passage, Eric, is that Paul, whether it's Lydia the wealthy cloth maker or whether it is his own jailer, 
Like if that's me and you, like I said, man, we are sprinting out of that jail yeah. cell as fast as possible. Paul is only concerned about what is the Spirit of God telling him to do with the person who is right in front of him. So right now, in your life, the people in your sphere of influence, the Greek New Testament talks uses the word oikos to describe the 8 to 15 hour mm-hmm. sphere of influence. For your oikos, like who has God put in, in your life right now that you could just love them well? Love is the driving force, I believe, for contagious uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. If you want to see Christianity be contagious like it was in the New Testament, you have to love the people who are right in front of you, even your enemies well. That's what Jesus did, and that's what this guy Love does it. in this passage. Any thoughts or reflections on that? Yeah, you know, and when I think of uh, this particular week in Rooted, this chapter stood out to me more than anything else from my Rooted experience, uh, particularly how they define poverty. I think a lot of times we think about, okay, how do I love this homeless or this poor person well? I will give them money. And that's not the way they explain what the nature of poverty in Rooted. They explain it as uh, broken shalom. And that when God sent his son Jesus, he came to restore and reconcile shalom with us to our father, to each other, and even to nature. And I don't think about that very much either with the earth. And so I I think it's amazing that when we're looking at some of our new initiatives in in music outreach, Jillian and I do music outreach outside of the church, and we bring teams from Mercy Road with us even around the state. We'll talk about that later. But one of the things we're looking at is how do we go into those places and establish a relationship so that we can let them become a part of a family Again, you know, a lot of these people, they didn't, they didn't get to a place of poverty just because of a, a problem with money. Yeah, dude, I love that. Like, we, we love the people God has put in our lives, and that is not dictated by social status or popularity or power or prestige, any of that stuff. And for some of us in American culture, that's hard. Yeah. You know, and so that, that's the second question we wanted to answer. What does a, a life of love look like for you? Like, we've all probably familiar with... 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not self-seeking. You know, we can all recite some Corinthians, but very few of us really grasp the depth of that. Like, Jesus loved everyone, everyone that way. When when he sees Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he was a wee little man, Eric, Mm. uh, up up in the tree and uh, close to our heart. He uh, sees the tax collector who nobody wants to talk to. Like, this guy was a social outcast. And he says, hey, I want to go eat with you in your home today. You don't do that with a sinner like a tax collector, Mm -hmm. especially Zacchaeus in that town. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. He ministered to her well. The woman caught in adultery, the the woman at the well, like he was always loving people regardless of what they were like. Like that's not easy. That's very hard. And so to not break our shalom, that poverty is, is really anybody who's missing the shalom of God in their life, whether they're wealthy or whether they're poor, like we are called to love everybody the same right where uh, they're at. Yeah, and, and I wonder, you know, you look at the Jesus model you just explained, and you look at Paul's example, and I, and I just noticed that in America, it's really nice to just do a good work for someone, but just, hey, we're going to have to the good work I just do for you be over here, but I don't want to be friends with you. Yeah. I have no intention of being in relationship with you. I just want to do something for you. It makes me feel better about myself. It puts me here. You're there. You need me. It's just not a relationship at all. And so I love how Jesus, he never stepped into someone's life he wasn't ready to have a relationship with. And we yeah. need to ask that question to ourselves as we're getting ready to help someone. Are you actually ready to join them and to call them into a place of relationship? Because if not, I wonder if it's even worth yeah, and it's funny, dude. Like, I, I see so often for all of us, Christians are no different. 
Like, we, we love to, if somebody offers us something, we're much more likely to engage them, want to befriend them, right? Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck came in here, we'd make time to talk. Yeah. But when somebody that doesn't have anything to offer us, it's hard for us to love like Jesus. Yeah. I remember uh, the story of my wife, who, she probably does this better than I do, but I love this story. We were in an airport, and all of a sudden, I look up, and I see uh, Owen Wilson, Walk by. Love him. Yeah. He had some bright purple pants on, too, by the way. Royalty, baby. Yeah. yeah. I'm not joking. He did. And as he's walking by in the airport, I, I, I don't really freak out at, like, you know, prestigious, popular people. But I told my wife, I was like, hey, Owen Wilson just walked by. You, I might as well have told her, like, they were giving away free Bentleys in the yeah. next exit. Now, she took off she's sprinting on. through the airport just to find Owen Wilson in hopes that she might be able to say hi to him. And I wonder, like, we totally do that when somebody has something mm-hmm. that they can offer us or some story or they're popular. But to engage the broken and the impoverished, mm-hmm. both spiritually and, and financially, yeah. that's what Jesus did. Christ-like love mm-hmm. has no bounds. That's good, man. And if we want it to be contagious again, that's historically in Christianity what occurs I'm reminded of the story, you know, Christianity exploded uh, in the second and third centuries because when everyone else was running away from a plague in Rome, the Christians were running in to minister to the sick. And because of that, many of those people survived and naturally became Christian. Other people saw the love of those Christians running in and they gave their life to Christ. By the early fourth century, it is the national religion of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Simply because they loved, they had Christ-like love with no bounds. So Eric, I'd I'd love for you to do uh, the third and final question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love this question. Uh, If you loved without bounds, how would that look in your life? So we're gonna actually ask you to take some action here. Grab a piece of paper, a napkin, uh, back of your kid's head. We don't care what it is, but we're gonna write down a few things that maybe God's putting on our heart as we reflect on this together. So if you loved without bounds, uh, how would that look in your life? How would that look in your work life? How would that look in your life with your friends, with your family, with your marriage, and with Mercy Road? And we're going to give you just a minute to answer those questions in your work life, your friends, your family, your marriage, and even here at Mercy Road. As you're answering those questions, I want to give an example of something God's been putting on me and Jillian's heart that has uh, led us to run towards others in need. Um, As you know, I've been stepping back from the band Myola Rickshaw, a band that I've had the honor of uh, launching with Nathan Klatt and Steve Huber and some of my best friends. Gosh, it was like five or six years ago now. We've had the chance to play for the New York Giants and for uh, the New Year's Eve ball down at Union Station and all these great venues around the city. And I love my work with those guys. They're going to keep going. There's been a guy that's stepping up into my place so that Jillian and I can start something we're calling Mercy Fest, which some people here at church have already been a part of or heard about, where we are going to take the best production, the best concert, the best gospel presentation we can to the rural communities around Indiana. I'm from Portland, Indiana, population 6,000. And I know there's a lot of people at this church, you being one of them, that are from smaller communities that um, there's just not a, a, a lot of conferences or big concerts coming through these towns. So rather than going to the places every other musician wants to play, God's put it on our heart to create a platform 
and to bring the best for that we have here at Mercy Road in Indianapolis, bringing some of our best musician friends to go up and bless these small communities and rally them around serve challenges and raise funds for local needs and to just celebrate who Jesus is and his mercy. And we do these at secular venues so that churches can come together and so that people who would never go to church would come out to this Mercy Fest concert. And it's a way for us to introduce them to the kingdom of God and the family of Christ in a place where they feel safe. But we want to run to those places that no other musician seems to be running to because, yeah. hey, I'd rather go where there's need. Yeah, I just got back from Mercy Fest. We took it to a small town, but I grew up in Union City, Indiana, and we saw well over 25 people give their life to Christ. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool, man. And so if you were interested in taking the gospel around the state of Indiana and you want to ride in Eric's RV to do that, <laughs> uh, email him at eric at mercyroad.cc. Uh, but I was thinking about that. We, our Indy Northwest outpost, one of many outposts that we have, if you're new to Mercy Road, we are, see ourselves as more than just a worship service. We are a network of missional communities we call outposts. So the Indy Northwest outpost started meeting at an apartment complex, and they would meet at the clubhouse there, and they literally targeted just this one apartment complex. Mm -hmm. And we were able to get about 45 new bikes donated from Walmart, and they took those bikes, gave them away in the apartment complex, and these students started coming to their, their gathering. And now this group of suburban people have been reaching this particular apartment complex on the northwest side of Indy, and a number of people have come to Christ. They, had, they baptized four people mm -hmm. in a pool just the other week. It's amazing. Like, how cool is that? And all because they just said, hey, here's this one apartment complex. What would it look like for us to love mm -hmm. them well? And now they have not only met physical needs, they have now been seeing spiritual needs met and people receiving Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Dude, that's what it's all about. Like each of our outposts right now are living on mission in a variety of different ways. And I know you're passionate of anybody here in our church. Eric loves to talk about the need for community within our outposts. You want to share just a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, Josh is the first pastor I've ever agreed to, to work for. We've always done music and missions in the past before I worked with you. And when Josh laid out the model of Mercy Road that it would be, yes, it's important to worship God on Sundays together, but it's equally, if not more important, to live in community, to make a difference, uh, to live out the gospel during the week. And when I heard this hybrid model, it blew my mind years ago, and we're seeing it happen today. It's really exciting. I love that last story. It's one of my favorite ones I've heard yet, how they just changed an entire apartment complex. So if you've never been to an outpost, you've never experienced that part of Mercy Road, I really encourage you to take the leap of faith and find out um, an outpost near you and get out there and check it out because you don't have to go create this need that, that exists around us. A lot of times, I think people get discouraged because they think there's so many needs, there's no way I could find one. But there's already needs being met right now and we just need more people, more families to invest in the needs we're trying to meet. And I feel like a lot of times when you start serving along another vision, another need, you'll find that God can speak so clearly to you once you start moving at all in mission. He'll start showing you maybe what the calling is for your life and your family's life that you're going to meet. But it's really hard to figure that out from a pew. It's really hard to figure that out on your own isolation. So I really couldn't push the outpost expression of this church enough. Yeah, so if you're sitting there and you're praying through each of those questions, how do I love people well in my sphere of influence? What, how, what would look different about my life? I'm telling you right now, you got to be invested in a community that's doing that together. And we're seeing it happen in our outposts. It's not easy. It's hard. 
We've raised thousands of dollars for people in need through our outposts. We've seen an outpost help start a ministry to people in home place community that are less fortunate through couponing. They're providing single moms with needed necessities. We now have a partnership with the local elementary in the home place community where we are actually set up a fund that the counselor can directly assist people who are on free and reduced lunches that need special assistance financially. Like we are doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's happening because we've said the power and the authority of the local church does not reside in the staff. It resides in the power of Jesus Christ to use anybody, anybody who knows him as their Savior and Lord. It's the priesthood of all believers. So if you're sitting there and you say, I want to make the most of my life. Look, I want to tell you, we have created a system where you can do that. Go to a local outpost. Email us at info at mercyroad.cc. Do it today, right now. Info at mercyroad.cc. And we will connect you with the right outpost to get on mission together. Mm -hmm. So that as you serve, you say, I want to make the most of my life. You're not alone while you're doing it. It's not easy. It's hard. That's why Paul needed Timothy. He needed other people surrounded with him. It's why when he finds someone like Lydia, the cloth maker, that they actually begin to see God use them because they don't do it by themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm so passionate about this, and I think it's the way of Jesus. Jesus, on the night that he is betrayed, he's about to go to the cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Until the very end. Until the very end, his focus was not on himself, but on others. That he was going to love even the people that rebelled against him until the very end. I encourage you and I challenge you. You want to make the most of your life. Love people well with a radical, unadulterated love and do it in community. Thanks for joining us online uh, through our online campus. We will be back live next Sunday, June 5th at 9.45 and 11.15. Eric's going to be there with the band leading us in worship. We can't wait to see you there. Thanks for joining us. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Yes. Can you see my muffin top in this shirt? Yes. I think I'm gonna put a vest on. Yeah, I can see. We can still see it. Where is Eric? We gotta film this. <coughs> Eric, hurry up! Are you serious? Oh, sorry. I just wanted to show a little, you know, a little church pride and all. <laughs> You're gonna break it. We gotta do this. All right, I'm ready. <coughs> Let's roll. Did you prepare anything? No. <laughs> Just gonna let the spirit use me.